Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to DNF. This is a podcast about Formula One racing, which to this point in 2023, Jessica Smetana had been an uninterrupted streak of Red Bull dominance, of Max Verstappen hegemony mm-hmm. until Singapore. Woohoo! Are we, we celebrating? Can we celebrate? We can celebrate. We could Spencer, a week ago, we were like, the sport is in crisis mode. People mm-hmm. want to be entertained. They don't yep. want to watch the same guy win every week. And now I feel like we spoke it into existence. We knew it was going to happen eventually. And it finally happened. This is this is my favorite thing. As a fan of any sport, you can say this. You should be like, hey, it's happening next week. Next week, it's happening. All we had to do was 10 times in a row say that. Yes. And eventually, and it came we true. Were. It came true. Did I think see, it would happen like six weeks ago? Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. This is see, manifesting is real. All you have to do is be wrong enough times, and eventually, you will be right. And can I just let's unpack how improbable the Ferrari victory at Singapore yes. was, given everything that's happened? Okay, coming into this race, okay, we had. I think, uh, is this a three-month streak? Like when you include the breaks and everything? Do we have three months of nothing but Max Verstappen at the pole? And, or I'm sorry, at the finish? I think it goes, well, Sergio Perez won a couple. But I think it goes back to even Brazil 2022. Yeah. That one of the two of them has finished in first place. Which is a long time. Like a year. So, yeah. That's a long time to see the thing. And of all the teams you thought would break the stranglehold on the one spot all right ferrari i'm just going to say not my first pick (laughs) not the ones that i thought would be the ones that you go hey we're going to end up with a great display of competence we're going to end up with some real skill both at the driver level and at the management level remember the driver level's not been the issue for ferrari we've had a lot of good performances by the drivers they've just been let down by 
everything else. Yes. With Ferrari. They would not be my pick. I thought maybe Mercedes would snipe one. Yeah. I maybe even McLaren. I thought Fernando Alonso at the beginning of the year. Maybe, sure. he, maybe he'll be the first guy to do it. Maybe he'd be the guy to do it. No. No, no, no. Andiamo Ferrari is what we ended up with. I was, I don't know about you, I was ecstatic. When I, oh, look at that. I have a Ferrari shirt on right now. I'm not even like a Ferrari stan. Wow. In fact, people compare a lot of the teams I hate in sports to Ferrari and one team I like. And I don't like that. But I had to break it out for, for today, Spencer, because we're celebrating today. You had to. And, and can I say, of the Ferrari drivers, like by script, I like this script, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, by script, I love this because... Either driver would have been an interesting pick to me, but Carlos signs both by getting pole and by finishing the race in a way that I do want to discuss because Carlos signs such a finish giant brain. Carlos signs. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if you saw this meme, but it's a triangle and it's like a cut triangle and it's like levels of intellect and it's like normal person and it's like brainiac. Then it's like, Einstein, and then like the very peak of the pyramid, somebody has gone. Carlos Sainz, yes, right here, yes. Um, explaining memes out loud. I love on the it. Internet. It's my favorite genre of conversation. Um, but the way that he won it and the timing of this for Ferrari, so sweet, because yeah. they had had. This is a team that's had its basic competence questioned, like not As just they should, yeah. Right, as like deservedly so. Deservedly, Were we you all wait- thought like no, we all thought something was going to go wrong. I he was on pole on Saturday, and my I, we in our F one group chat, Spencer, you, me, and Doug, mm-hmm. our producer Doug, shout out Doug. Yeah. I said, spoiler alert, Verstappen's going to win, which mm-hmm. you know the Red Bulls were off pace the entire weekend. We'll get to that and the technical directive and the conspiracy theories and everything else that's fun about Formula One, but. Mm-hmm. Even so, I was like, Ferrari surely is going to screw this one up. They're going to do something wrong. They're going to forget to put on a tire. Mm -hmm. Someone's going to run over a screw gun. I don't know, but something's going to go wrong. And nothing went wrong. He ran in front the entire race. Well-timed pit stops for him. We'll talk a little bit about Leclerc. Leclerc got sort of screwed by some strategy calls, but maybe like not necessarily... Maybe it had to happen for someone to win, for Carlos right. to win. But like it was, it was perfect, and he raced perfectly at the end. I thought this race was scripted specifically for you personally. Once, once Science got in there, and then Lando Norris had the two spot. I thought, mm-hmm. oh, if this plays out the way that I think it could, this is this is the Jessica Smetana, this is the Jessica Smetana special. It was. And like, th- those two are like best buddies too. Mm-hmm. So when they were at the end and Carlos had to do this incredible balancing act of not wanting to push too hard so that George Russell on new tires could pass Lando Norris and challenge him, but also not go so slow that Lando Norris who had DRS could pass him. Like he had to, he had to manage his tires. He had to do all of this. It was such a tightrope for him at the end of this race and the Mercedes pitting and putting on the medium tires and and the three front runners having the hard tires on made it really, really exciting, like super stressful, but very exciting. And I think he should get so much credit for walking along that tightrope perfectly because 
other drivers in the same position, like we saw with mm -hmm. George Russell, a tiny, tiny millimeter of a mistake, and that's your entire race. All of the strategy, all of the hard racing goes out the window in the final lap. And Carlos didn't make a single mistake. He did it perfectly. See, that's what I was anticipating. I thought when I, you know, at my most Ferrari cynical, okay, <laughs> that's a technical term. Baseline Ferrari. is Ferrari cynical. Right. To be Ferrari cynical, to see good things happening for this Ferrari team and instantly think, oh, well, they're going to screw that up. Or someone will screw that up for them and they will be right. the accomplice. What fresh hell awaits. Right. You're just waiting on it because the walls are real close. Like I thought, yeah. I thought if nothing else takes them out, Singapore, it's a very tight track and it's very, very easy to make a mistake that will put you in the wall. In fact, the reverse of what I thought would happen happened. I thought Mercedes was going to catch them. And I thought when they caught them, it would be George Russell because George Russell was out for blood. You know, if we, we got team radio of George Russell going, okay, boys, we need to win this one. Okay, like, put me in the target. You know, we can get there. We have pace. Let's go. Like, I thought Russell thought he had it in the bag. And he ends up binning it super late in the race in the final stretches and getting Ferrari'd. I thought, like, that was. <laughs> it's a verb now. It is. It's a verb. Yeah. Mercedes got Ferrari'd. They Ferrari'd themselves. And just a joy to see, especially because I know the payoff whenever Carlos Sainz wins is that he's going to sing a Sade song. <laughs> and as silly as that is, I wait for it when it happens, you know, that he's finally conducted his first, in his words, smooth operation as a Ferrari driver. Magnificent. Just a just a great thing. On the last lap, him, him and Lando Norris basically doing a Talladega Knights move shaking and baking it keeping lando just <laughs> close enough yeah to ensure that he had somebody between him and the mercedes oh breath breathtaking this is what like if you have been watching this and as a relatively new fan you think i can't believe the same thing happens every week understand the payoff comes loaded yeah you did all of the work to make this satisfying and then when the payoff happens it's this sublime Absolutely. It was, it really made me wonder what this season would have been like if you just like Thanos vanished Red Bull from Formula One. Because I think if this is how tight these cars are running together at the end of a race, the technical regulation set is working, right? Like mm -hmm. these cars are all following and overtaking at such a close distance and are so tight. And most of the time we see it happen sort of like in the midfield while Verstappen is 30 seconds ahead. And it's not this, like, you're not going to manage your tires the same way. You're not going to be like fighting for position the same way as when you're in the front three. Right. So like, mm -hmm. it's hard to imagine one for one. If you just take Verstappen out, like what it's like, but if Red Bull doesn't exist this season, and this is how close it is now that McLaren's running at the top, Mercedes has fixed their issues, and Ferrari's not making stupid ass strategy mistakes. Like this is this is what I signed up for. This is yeah. great. I love it. I also want to talk about a fantastic finish for Lando Norris. This to yeah. me is, you know, this is of course old teammates reuniting for Besties. Yeah, besties reuniting for a glorious finish. This continues one of my favorite storylines this year, which is the McLaren comeback. That that orange has been a very, very beautiful color over the second half of this season as they have figured out more and more and more 
uh, about what makes that car work and about how to put them in the best position, uh, about consistently good performances from rookie Oscar Piastri and from the guy that they view as their bellwether, Lando Norris. Um, I love it. This is nothing but a continued upward happy trajectory for McLaren. I love that Mercedes had good competition between the two drivers and we're still figuring and are still trying to make the best of that car. Absolutely adore that that was a key storyline. And I I wanted to get to this because I think you definitely have uh, some thoughts and at least have been observing the conspiracy theories a little more closely than I have about the struggles of Red Bull. Mm-hmm. This is the whole the hole in the story that we've been talking about. We've talked about the happy finish for Carlos Sainz, okay? We've talked about the smooth operator. We've talked about the bromance between the two drivers that was evident in the teamwork that they exhibited across teams on the final stages of this race. And we've talked about Mercedes continuing to improve. We have not talked about the elephant in the room, which is Red Bull struggling at Singapore, period. Both drivers across the team. Yeah. So I think the conspiracy theory is that the most recent Formula One technical directive targeted a flexible floor component that the Red Bull was using, and they've had to now remove it or adjust it and is impacting their overall pace. And this is a targeted directive to even the playing field because formula one can't let max Verstappen keep getting away with it now uh before we debunk the conspiracy theory spencer Mm -hmm. does that sound plausible (sighs) let's enter a realm that we call um call i'm gonna call it let's just call it newy land newy (laughs) land okay which is where the gap between the technical understanding of what actually makes these cars dominant and the fans perspective, the gap is so vast that I can attribute it to magic. If I really wanted to, (laughs) I could, because usually the answer, if, if you go to the people who know what they're talking about, the answer isn't simply one thing. Yeah, it's not. It's usually a series of tweaks combined with the overall skill of production combined with the skill of the driver. It's a complex equation, right? It's usually not one thing, because if it's one thing and everyone knows it, then everyone else starts doing it Mm -hmm. right. Like that's it's not that one thing. So let me say, is it plausible? Yes, it's plausible, if only because if it's taken this long for people whose jobs it is for it, what the hell is the common fan going to do with this information, (laughs) right? I find what's plausible about it to be that Formula One would, in a misguided effort to even the playing field, um, make a obvious change to a front runner's car and think that no one would find out that that happened. Like I can, has Formula One made regulation sets to even the playing field between cars in the past? Yes, Mm -hmm. that part's incredibly plausible. But the like conspiratorial nature of it, which I think implies that it's done in secret and uh, nefariously, Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily match with what I think Formula One could actually pull off. Does that make any sense? It does make sense. I think that's that's a, a it also 
if you wanted to believe, like in my heart, I know if you want to believe a conspiracy, you're going to go ahead and believe it. Yeah, you will. It's going to give you power. It's going to give you some certainty. I can't take that away from you, even with like all the information in the world, especially when I don't have the information to refute the thing you want to believe. Because at this point, it's all happening behind doors and at such high technical levels that it's going to take me a month to understand it, mm -hmm. right? Newy Land is filled with that. That's one of the reasons we talk about magical engineers. It's one of the reasons we go, oh, well, they got this guy and he's got a giant brain mm -hmm. and he understands these things better, right? Like that's the the, the like Adrian Newey effects, why I'm calling it Newy Land and this terribly named concept that I've come up with. I like but, it. but in Newy Land, you can go ahead and just describe yeah, it's absolutely like a law or a regulation targeting Red Bull and trying to bring everyone back. There's a problem here. One conspiracy theory feeds another. Who is the team? Historically, F1 has intervened on behalf of, according to conspiracy theorists, deep into the lore of F1, who is the team that they have intervened on behalf of time and time again at both the technical and at the uh, regulatory level? Ferrari, old school Ferrari. Oh, F1's going to protect Ferrari. Well, who won this weekend? Mm. Ferrari. <laughs> so, so I, I don't think that's what happened, but it's it's definitely for somebody who wants to believe that and is already sort of like buying lock, stock, and barrel into certain historical theories of how things work in F1. It's it's not good. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a great look. And also, by the way, for Red Bull fans. This go this you could go ahead and just buy this too because what does it do? Well, it shores up your assumption that everyone's out to get you. Yeah. Right? That your historical upstart status is still disrespected by the long established powers of F1. It's it's classic shit all around. I think like if there's anything that convinces me that this is not a conspiracy theory. It's that mm -hmm. Christian Horner has said that it's not, and he would be the most inclined to be like, hey, wait a second, this is not fair. Because we've seen <laughs> him do that. Like with the whole yeah. porpoising thing last season, like he's mm -hmm. gonna be the first guy that's like, this is not fair, nothing is fair. Like we didn't go over our cost cap. We just spent a lot of money on catering. Like we, that's he right. would not be quiet about it. And he would not vouch for Formula One if that were the case. And Red Bull's excuse for, the poor showing in Singapore was frankly a very simple one that I think does it for me, which is that they screwed up the setup on Friday because they had to change the ride height to suit the Singapore street circuit. And it was different than what they anticipated. Mm -hmm. And once they screwed up the setup, they couldn't fix it in time to run the race that they should be able to run with their car ipso facto for Stappen and Perez finish uh, out of the podium, but still have, you know, decent enough races that they get some points. Yeah. I think y'all will be fine. Yeah. Yeah. seems unfortunately, like unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it would be great if it would be great if the last leg of races in this season ended up being hyper competitive. It is interesting to me though, when you talk about ride height that like, okay, we do have just my own, selfish interests i will be at the vegas race hmm. that's a street circuit it is are we going to have ride height issues there is that something right. that you might yeah right just a first time track right Breaking I, it in. i'm intrigued because yeah singapore has been on the calendar for a while now so my my question is mm -hmm. like how did they screw it up so bad like this is a team notorious for not screwing things up like there's been other street circuits mm -hmm. on the calendar this season they've gotten it right so 
what was the issue here where they were so drastically off that they weren't competing for a podium? That I don't know. That, I mean, people make mistakes. Shit happens. I, I listened to a long, incredibly detailed breakdown of like the track surface the other day. And I'm like, yeah, that, sure. I'll take your word for it. I don't know. But that part is, I don't know, maybe indicative of some more issues down the road with the other street circuits, or maybe not. Who's to say? I would like to shout out one other driver from Singapore before we sort of move on to questions and discussion of the upcoming slate. Uh, Liam Lawson. Oh, yeah. Liam Lawson. Damn, son. Yeah. Coming in, coming in cold. Working, I think, at a disadvantage in several different fashions and still coming up with a top 10 finish. Knocking the other Red Bulls out of qualifying on yeah. Saturday. Pretty solid race for him. A- absolutely incredible. In the Alcatari con- seat. Yeah, just consistent. And I think consistent given, and we really haven't talked too much about this, coming in cold and consistent on a track that is uh, a bear. It is mm-hmm. a, technically it is a very difficult track to master. I mean, you can look at Red Bull if you want evidence of that. So Liam Lawson, nice work, dude. Absolutely stellar work on your part. Yeah. So, well, okay. Before we get to questions, I do want to mention mm-hmm. something that happened right after we finished recording last week, which was Helmut Marco going on a an Austrian like Red Bull uh, Red Bull streamed or produced show, saying that this is his quote. Um, we know that Sergio Perez has problems in qualifying. He has fluctuations in form. Uh, he is a South American and he's just not as completely focused in his head as Max Verstappen or as Sebastian Vettel. Um, this is also not the first time that Helmut Marco, who is a high up member of the Red Bull team, has referred to Sergio Perez as a South American, even though Sergio Perez is from Mexico, which is part of North America. Mm-hmm. He got a ton of a ton of flack from formula one fans, but like heard nothing from the FIA for a couple days after this. Uh, again, it happened like early last week, like right after we recorded. And mm-hmm. then eventually they wrote him a letter and were like, Hey, warning, you can't say shit like this anymore. And that was it. That was the end of that entire fiasco, which I think is super embarrassing for him and for Red Bull. It makes Formula One look bad. Like this kind of language is unacceptable and terrible and completely like, what are we doing here, buddy? Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for the insight, Helmet. Such famously distracted South Americans as um, Ayrton Senna, right? Like, yeah, just dumb as hell. Like that's so dumb. Yeah, there's got to be that should be I think that should be an established like response from F1 organizationally is that they should be able to just be like helmet Marcos dumb as hell. There's no place for that. It's unacceptable. Also, yeah, we don't want that around stupid. here. And it's stupid. And it's just incorrect and wrong. Like, what are you talking about? Um, and if I were Sergio Perez, I'd be like, look at what I'm up against. This it, is it, crazy. It plays it plays into so many of the worst stereotypes people might assume about the people in charge of the sport. Yeah. It plays right into them and gives them heft and enforces an image that that I, you know certainly a lot that a lot of the drivers have been super vocal about fighting, if not the owners, and a lot of the things that the fans don't want to see across the world, right? Not not especially especially up top because part of F one's challenge is marketability, right? How how do we market the sport, which um, has a double-edged sword of it's a sport that is a very moneyed and luxury forward sport 
Also, it's a very moneyed and luxury forward sport where there's not a whole lot of access either to get in it um, or to get in the building to watch it. Mm-hmm. That is, it's a, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You want to grow, but there are, there are inherent obstacles already. And then right. you have somebody who is uh, very powerful within the sport saying this. It's on so many different levels, unacceptable and stupid. All right. So we will move on to some listener questions. Spencer, where should we begin? Oh, I want to start uh, with Liz Polarski's question. Do you think Carlos and Lando made an unbreakable vow to help Aww. each other if they ever found themselves one, two in a GP? Um, yes. <laughs> I believe in love. So yes. Yes. Heart emoji. I <laughs> do. I I think that like one of the things that's so crazy about Formula One is how competitive it is between drivers and between teammates and it, it is just an insanely competitive sport. And yet, like, I want to believe that there is some sort of, like, pact between the two of them not to ever screw the other one's race up or do anything like that. And, maybe like, I have to believe that if you're driving, you know exactly which cars are where and who's driving them, and you make decisions based off, like, when we see Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton go side by side, right, and, like, race mm-hmm. really hard against each other, it has to be the same for when you like the other guy too, Right. So yeah. yes, yes, with a heart emoji. I think that that's true. I mean, think of Carlos's face when he realized who was behind him. <sighs> that's a pretty good moment when he goes, oh, we get to do the thing. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it so much. Delightful. Honestly, it was so great. Uh, from Five Pound Bag, should Leclerc just never pit? <laughs> um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he got you thought about it. He got screwed by the double stack because there was so much traffic in the pit lane. Even though Ferrari did a really good job getting Carlos in and out, he had to wait so he didn't get in the way of another car coming through because that's how close they were all running when they all came into pit. So that totally, I guess not like backfired, but I think Ferrari knew they had to run, they they ran two different strategies, right? So like you can't really compare the races one-to-one, but you have to give the guy who's on pole the more favorable strategy. And obviously he's going to come into the pit lane first because he's ahead. So Mm -hmm. Charles, was it the right call to pit him? Like probably, yes, but that is the, the, no pun intended, that's the pitfall is that all the guys were bunched up right there and it totally screwed him up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There is, there is also a running gag here, which is if a driver for Ferrari is going to end up getting the butt end of one of Ferrari's decisions, it was going to be Leclerc this year, right? Again, if you just believe in, if you just believe in running gags, conspiracies, or other irrational patterns of behavior that keep showing up, and again, you go, ah, oh, this pit strategy seems kind of risky. I wonder yeah. if that's going to benefit Charles Leclerc. The answer this year is probably not. I want to go ahead and talk about 
Carlando, because this gives us an opportunity to talk about other relationships between drivers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, which is from Sean of all relationships between drivers on competing teams. Is Carlando the closest? I think, yeah, by far. Like they're golfing buddies, <laughs> right? Yeah. They, they have, they're seen on social media actually hanging they out. Play, they play paddle together. And like Leclerc is kind of like part of the group too. And Max is kind of part of the group too. But like I do feel like if you're ever really down in the dumps and you need a smile on your face, just go on YouTube and watch any video of Carlos and Lando interacting, either while, when they were teammates or now. You will have the biggest smile on your face because it does seem like they really do love one another. They are besties. Um, I can't even think of another friendship like theirs. Can you think of one among current drivers? Like, I feel like everyone low-key hates each other under the surface. You know, I think, I think that... I think that Lando and Max have a good professional relationship, right? I think they're they're pretty cordial. I don't think they have the like buddy buddy. Let's have um, you know let let's have a boys weekend kind mm-hmm. of energy that Lando and uh, Carlos have. So they have the super the super professional kind of relationship. We don't really the, the people I wanted to, to talk about is like who who do you never see? Like what drivers never ever hanging out valtteri's one of them because valtteri's like i'm going to go ride a bike 400 miles into the wilderness which is peak finland right there to be like how are you spending your weekend my girlfriend and i are biking to lithuania you know you're you're so right and yet i get the sense that everyone loves him like they do there was a recent formula one which is like great it's like this guy's never around and yet still like everyone's like yeah he's he rules there was a recent formula one video where they were asking the players to guess who the baby pictures were of and Valtteri's mm-hmm. is like the most obvious little blonde Valtteri baby blue eyes like unmistakable and after all the the drivers like saw the picture they all just started laughing like they were giggling because it was such an like they just love him and it's so adorable I I don't know I love that yeah like and I will say this Max for his reputation for being super prickly and very 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 blunt yeah. in the way that he says everything Max gets Max gets along in the paddock. Like Max, Max talks to other drivers. Max hangs out. You know, it's not, it's not like he's Michael Jordaning the situation at all. Yeah, yeah. Michael Jordaning is another good verb. We've got Ferrariing and Mike, Michael Jordaning yes, in the Newey zone. There we go. Just write these all down. I'm gonna write them down. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. We we haven't really talked about Yuki Sonoda and everything that befell him this weekend. Also, like the Max Verstappen lack of a grid penalty on Sunday that was kind of bizarre that like nothing happened there and like mm-hmm. AlphaTauri didn't even like try to make a case for it uh with the stewards um we have one question from Cinco de Mayo did Yuki just say fuck it get me to Japan instead of finishing the race um I wouldn't say that I I Yuki kind of got screwed this weekend yeah although if that was the decision to make, maybe. <laughs> like organizationally, <laughs> maybe that was the decision. If you have not seen the damage uh from the crash between him and Sergio Perez uh at the at Singapore. Wild. Uh, no, that car is torched. Yeah. That car is that is when you send those photos to the insurance company, the insurance company just sends back LOL in the email. <laughs> like it's torched so i don't think that's what they did but 
effectively that's what happened like there's there's i think they just they got a puncture they decided it's not worth it let's just yeah. completely reboot um not you know that's the that's the flip side for alpha tari this weekend you get yeah. one driver with a, a surprisingly great performance and then you get their most consistent driver having a disaster of a weekend yeah and speaking of totally totaled cars lance stroll didn't even race on sunday because his mm -hmm. car was in such bad shape on saturday and they uh, the team said that he was still sore on sunday and didn't race him which i think is like a rare good cautious decision by sporting people that we don't mm -hmm. see very often like yeah. I, I hope he's okay I, I don't know what kind of shape he's in but it was a nasty crash his car looked like it was just like in pieces uh after that saturday crash but he did not race at all on Sunday. Yeah. And and Alonzo is, had a terrible day. So another yeah, like another, Aston Martin weekend. Yeah, just this this is maybe what maybe what we should have seen coming with a team that you are going, oh man, their performance is so much further ahead. Yeah. It's a lot, it's a lot like a team that peaks early season in any sport. You go, keep an eye on that. Wait yeah. for the regression to the regression mean. Regression to the mean. I was just mm -hmm. going to say water finds its level. So yeah. they say. Like still, like we are repeating the same line we've been saying for a month and a half about Aston Martin, which is, well, you know, they're still way ahead of expectations and might be running out of gas on that. Mm -hmm. Right. We mm -hmm. might be at the point where we go, mm, y'all might want to pick it up a little bit. Um, I, there was a good question in here about the smooth operator, Carlos Sainz, uh, connection it says in honor of another appearance of sign smooth operator what would be your dream pairing of current grid driver and signature song they sing after a great result george russell singing baby by justin bieber <laughs> <laughs> what how did you just come up with that imagine imagine the splendor of george russell tunelessly singing baby baby baby, baby. when that with his accent it would oh. be it would be so innocent and pure Jessica, I thought you were gonna do. So I, I know you're a Florida guy. Like, I, I won't back down. Max Verstappen mm -hmm. sing along because you uh, know he doesn't back down. No, that would be. I think that would be good. Also, it's very, very to the point and very on brand for both him and Christian Horner. So I think that's probably it's probably a good go for him. Um, who's getting Pound Town? That's what I want to know. <laughs> who's gonna sing Pound Town as they cross the finish line? Mm, Valtteri for sure. <laughs> Given that on this very broadcast, he proposed the notion of a full frontal spread. <laughs> You're God, correct. We need to get him back on here. That was like the highlight of 2022 did, did for you, me. Did, did you ever consider, by the way, that like an actual F1 driver, one of the very few people paid to do this on this program, came on and said, hey, you know, maybe next time I'll just show the whole hog. Like, I've, I've never met him before. He doesn't know me. Doesn't know he doesn't us. know you. No. He doesn't know Metalark and DNF. Mm -hmm. Doesn't no. know who's going to be listening. He's like, hey, you know what? What if maybe I showed my you my penis name? in a photo? <laughs> maybe that'd be a maybe that'd be a top seller. <laughs> Just absolutely bonkers. Uh, but yeah, Pound Town for Valtteri. Okay, that's a I like it. I like it, Spencer. Uh, George Russell, by the way, he was really upset after the he race on, as he should be been. he blew it and he was so <laughs> mad at himself and it made me feel bad because i was like even in spite of him dnfing taking the show name too literally uh it 
it was hard to watch that kind of meltdown happen to someone who's been in F1 for as long as he has. He really cares. And I, I like, I'm never gonna, I, I, I will say that for George. I don't think that's an act. I don't think we're getting the Russell Wilson. I'm running for president while, uh, you know, also doing my job and trying to convince everyone to like me. I think George Russell really cares. I think he yeah. thought they could win that race. And then two terrible things happened to him in a row. One, he looks up and Lando Norris is the guy in front of him. And Carlos Sainz is, you know, gaming DRS to make sure that we're getting as obstructive uh, a strategy towards the end of the race as possible. It's a bad spot to be in when you've got the gas and you have all the momentum you need and the person in front of you does too. Uh, also, he crashes. Like the most, like it would be frustrating to just finish third and instead he ends up completely destroying his car and uh and not finishing just yeah i get it i get it man let it out also i i didn't even know this until yesterday but valtteri also dnf'd on the last lap i think like (laughs) again we're laughing because you're like ah oh okay sure yeah what like alfa romeo what happened what's happening over there guys (laughs) we're we're working some stuff out (laughs) yeah holy shit are you guys okay um all right should we answer one or two more or or, sure 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 okay okay um i'm gonna say this uh from this is i always i think an interesting question Mm -hmm. uh from william marcy tweed is it ever okay to root for ferrari okay root for whoever you want like (laughs) is it okay to root for ferrari is it okay to root for one of the continually uh well one of the most continually competitive and prestigious racing brands in the world right yeah 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 i always thought if you root for ferrari you know what you can always fall back on and i've said this before but let's dallas cowboys oh romance that's what you root for ferrari (laughs) right you get it you get you get racing you know you get racing red you get the like at Maranello, we make these seats custom for you right i don't know if you ever if you've known anyone who's bought a ferrari i know one person it's not like i have boys who are continually picking these up when you get the ferrari experience you can always cite they make it for you themselves they hammer it out on a tree stump and their racing team is is you know their racing team is carrying the legacy of so much greatness they make movies like think about that if you if nothing else works out for you the romance of being a ferrari fan is of the kind where we get adam driver to play the guy who ran the company right (laughs) that's a ceo movie don't think it's like oh man great innovator what's no that's a movie about a guy who who made cars that's and they make movies about you so yeah, you could root for Ferrari before we consider even that like Carlos Sainz is, and, and Charles Leclerc, two really gifted drivers who are both in really good cars that are sometimes managed by people who, I don't know, appear to take naps during races or uh, just to be playing the switch, right? Like just playing Animal Crossing during races. I don't know. Yeah. Is the prime minister of Italy a Ferrari fan? Yeah, she is. She took pictures with them in Monza. Right. Does that mean you can't root for them? You know, no, I'm wearing a that, Ferrari shirt, uh, but that does, that is in the con column for sure. <laughs> I, I, I'm an American. Our recent choices of leaders do not allow me to be overly judgmental in this, but to note. Yeah. Yeah. We won't do the, what F1 team does Trump root? Absolutely not. Game. That is a pathway yeah. straight to hell. If you want to- <laughs> 
you want to, great for SEO though. Yeah, if you want to take if you want to take a water slide straight to purgatory, let's do that. I do want to ask one Probably more. Probably us, but yeah. I was going to say this is related. <laughs> one more question uh, that is from Formula One. Um, does Gunter know he's in hell? Oh, yes, yes, and he doesn't care. <laughs> no, because you know what, he's going to get. 45 uninterrupted minutes of drive to survive time in uh -huh. the next season, regardless of what Haas does. I will never kick the cameras out. <laughs> never. He's going to threaten someone's meals. He's going to mm -hmm. say some really crazy shit about a certain nationality. Uh, and everyone's going to love him anyways. I go, I climb the mountain. My car's a shit. I am going to like, that's, that's his yeah. whole life. He's, He's fine. Can you imagine him with an advantage? And also, I wouldn't say North Carolina's hell. Like, it's not my favorite Carolina, but it's not that bad. They got to listen. As long as Gunther gets to get his, you know, quarterly spree at Nordstrom's, which is. Belk. It was a belt. Yeah, he's, he's a, a belt. Yeah. We, this and is my favorite. My favorite F1 celebrity sighting is somebody being like, I saw Gunther at Nordstrom's in North Carolina. <laughs> he's too good for Belk. All right. He's definitely in hell then. Yeah. Yeah, it's listen, it's Southern style at bargain prices. Look into it, Gunter. All right, Spencer. Well, Formula One will be back next weekend in Japan so for the Japanese up, Grand Prix. It's always a good one. It's going to be at 1 a.m. So TBD, if I'll watch it live, I guess it depends if I'm still awake celebrating uh, a Notre Dame victory or a drinking my sorrows away from a Notre Dame defeat. We'll see. But We'll do a pod next week anyways. Absolutely. We got to talk about one of the coolest tracks in, in F1, Suzuka. Moving, like, moving to the front of the calendar next year, Spencer. It's going to be in April. So we'll get, we'll, get two, we'll get two of these pretty close together, which is kind of cool. Ooh, you know what? If it's in April, that means I might go. I, I actually looked into it. All right, let's let, let's, let's follow up. Let, let's follow right. up on this because DNF goes this. DNF goes to Suzuka. That that's a discussion we need to have. I'm down. All right, we'll see you next week, but not in Suzuka here.